I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. So join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey everybody, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter. This is episode 213-213 in which clips are the wrong choice. And I'm recording this on Sunday, March 20th, uh, 2022. I almost said 1922. No, it's 2022. Um, I am feeling much more awake than I was <laughs> the last time I recorded. Uh, sorry about that. You know, I guess I should know just not to try to do something like that in the morning. Uh, this is now a Sunday late afternoon. I've had a very pleasant uh, weekend of sewing, so I've got some stuff to actually talk about this time. Woo! All right, so if you recall, my goals for this week were uh, to finish piecing my three-yard quilt, to finish piecing units of the storm at sea, to put the binding on my yellow quilt, and to sew at least one dilly flower. Um, I would say I'm probably about 50% of the way there on those goals, um, with a little bit in each one. So first of all, let's talk about that ongoing saga of the storm at sea. I did finally get all the units pieced. Yay! Um, it turned into a little bit of a thing that was my focus yesterday. Uh, as you recall, I didn't have quite enough triangles. I had debated whether to buy some extra fabric, decided just to go with the fabric I had, um, cut up a bunch of triangles, decided to just sew what I had, see where I ended up. Uh, so yesterday I sewed what I had, and then I think I figured out something like I needed another 52 triangles, something along those lines. So I cut some more fabric, and um, all of that I ended up with like six triangles somehow left over. I, you know, I, I don't know, at that point I was just cutting and sewing and cutting and sewing. Um, and I didn't even use up all the fabric I had. So I'm really glad I didn't end up buying any because I probably would have bought the wrong amount and then I would have been adding to my stash rather than using what I had. So I think I ended up with um, something like a half, one half yard that I never cut into and then like maybe a quarter of a yard with the fabric left of another half yard that um, I did cut into. Uh, and then I had another half yard that I'd cut, used all together. So all of that ended up where I would have probably bought a yard and a half of fabric in order to try to get enough for the remaining that I needed. If the um, Because if you listen to that podcast, and I don't remember exactly which one it was, I wasn't really positive that the uh, blue batiks that I had in my stash were truly a medium blue. I felt like they were leaning towards dark. Finally decided to just go with it. Um, so, I, you know, it's okay. Uh, we'll see once I get all of these blocks done together. Um, I do love the storm at sea. I could see myself doing this again. I don't know that I would try to just do a two color though, because, and particularly with batiks, somehow batiks for me are sometimes harder to tell true value. And I think a lot of that is because the nature of the batik itself, a lot of them have, you know, multiple values within their one color. So it's 
hard to tell when you've got a whole piece of fabric there what it's going to end up looking like when you cut it into your pieces. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just fooling myself that I have more problems with batiks than I do with regular cotton print fabrics. Um, but it, this was tricky. This was really tricky. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that when I get this, this quilt all put together and I'm looking at it, I'm going to be kind of kicking myself for some of my fabric choices that some of the lights aren't as light as I'd like them to be and some of the darks aren't as dark as I'd like to be and the mediums are just going to be all over the place. So <laughs> we'll see. I'm, I'm sure it'll all turn out fine in the end and I'll be happy with the, the end result. Um, but in any case, I did finally get all the units pieced yesterday. Today, I started out my sewing day with uh, just pressing those units because I had to get everything pressed out and, you know, pressing 120 blocks and trying to do it kind of carefully so you're not stretching things all over the place just, you know, takes a while. So um, <laughs> I did start piecing some of the units together uh, towards having pieced blocks, but I did finally just hit a wall and so I only got partway through piecing two units together. Um, and I am just doing that chain piecing. There was part of me that had sort of a thought of just piecing it a block at a time uh, just so I could have the, you know, the finished block sitting in front of me and wouldn't that feel great? And I said, no, it's faster to just chain piece these suckers. So I'm, I'm just, I'm doing that um, and I'm just going to be continuing to do that. At this point though, I know it's going to start feeling like things are going really fast because instead of one unit that I'm having to sew eight pieces around, now I'm just whipping these units together and the, the blocks are going to come together pretty quickly. Uh, the next challenge I'm going to have on the Storm at Sea is that I do not have a design wall big enough for putting the whole quilt out, uh, nor do I have anywhere in my house that I have enough floor space <laughs> or wall space. Uh, I take it back on the wall space. I'm sort of thinking about putting up a temporary design wall in the hallway outside of my sewing room if I decide I want to put all of these blocks out and lay them out. There's a big part of me that just feels like in this case, as per J of Art Quilt Maker fame, I may just chunk them because what I can do is know, I can figure out in advance how many chunks of what size I need to have put together to finish the quilt. And so I could just chunk and never see the entire quilt until the whole thing's sewn. Trying to decide if I'm ready to take that risk. Um, that would be true random, true scrappy, because I wouldn't be looking at anything until the whole thing's done. Um, I don't know. <laughs> That makes me a little nervous to not lay everything out and then look at it. And then, of course, spend, you know, three days driving myself crazy trying not to have any of the two fabrics end up in the same place and all of that. So anyway, that's the Storm at Sea saga continuing. There will indeed come a day when I can stop talking about the Storm at Sea. We are not to that day yet. Uh the three-yard quilt, I did get all the rose piece today, I, so I sat down as soon as I had really hit the wall on doing the other. I thought, well, okay, let me take care of these bigger blocks of the three-yard quilt and put those together. And so I got the whole center done, but then I just hit a wall on piecing. I was so tired of piecing at that point, um, so I didn't get the borders put on that. So it's still on my design wall. It's okay. 
it, you know, the borders are not going to take me that long to do. The one thing I do need to kind of, I need to take some measurements and see whether the quilt is even closely approximating square. One of the things, I mean, it, okay, <laughs> it doesn't look that wonked when you look at it. However, when you have large blocks of unpieced fabric, so it's just, you know, I've got a, I think it's a 10 inch block of, you know, a fabric and then a 10 inch pieced block and then a 10 inch piece of fabric and then a 10 inch pieced block. It is really, really hard to get all that the same size. And did I bother squaring everything up or trimming blocks before I piece them together? Hmm. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's think about who Sandy is and all the life that you've known me in podcasting. The answer is probably no. So no, I didn't, um, you know, probably should have, but for the most part, it's okay. There's just the last row that I pieced on the, um, there, there's one seam that ended up a lot wider because it was on the underside of what I was sewing. Anyway, I may have to take some measurements and see where I'm at and whether that, uh, seam is actually crooked or whether that's just the way it ended up. And, you know, um, I'm not worrying overly much again, because when you look at it, it's fine. Um, and this is supposed to be just a fast, fun quilt. So I'm not stressing it. I just need to do myself the, the, the favor <laughs> of taking some measurements and seeing where I'm at before I try to put the borders on. So that's where that is. Um, at that point, like I said, I was done piecing, just couldn't do any more piecing. So um, I thought briefly about taking a nap. <laughs> and I, I actually stretched out on my bed for about five minutes, kind of laying there thinking, do I just take a nap? Um, and I decided, no, I really wanted to just get a little bit more done. So I tackled the binding on the yellow quilt. Um, the first thing I had to do, of course, was figure out had I actually stashed any fabric anywhere intending it to be used for the binding. Um, generally speaking, with a couple other quilts I've done, I had enough of the backing once you uh, take it, because I've been long arming all of these, once you take it off and you uh, trim everything up, I have frequently had enough of the backing left that that has then become my binding. Um, so I, my first thought was I looked around for the fabric that's on the back, trying to figure out if I had set aside any of that. I can't find it anywhere. So I don't know whether I didn't have enough left or if I already had, so I just got rid of it. I have no idea. It's not anywhere. And my fabric is actually fairly well organized at this point. Um, so I don't know. I don't remember. It feels like that was a very long time ago. However, I did find... Um, about a half yard of one of the fabrics in the quilt sitting in my stash. So I'm pretty sure it was part this, uh, to remind you this yellow quilt, as I'm calling it now, um, cause I don't have a better name for it. It was one of the cotton cuts, die cut block of the month. I'll have to go back and look at what the name of the pattern actually was. I've totally forgotten it at this point. Um, but some of the fabrics you buy, you know, at the beginning or at the end, I don't remember now which. So I guess that this fabric was probably left from whatever I was sent to cut the pieces out of, um, the binding or whatever. 
And so anyway, I had just enough. When I took my measurements, I knew I could just squeeze enough strips out of this last piece of fabric in order to make the binding. Um, now, I do two and a half inch strip binding, mostly because that way I can use jelly rolls, you know, or my two and a half inch strip stash if I'm doing just a scrappy binding or whatever. Um, and I do have a two and a half inch strip die for my AccuQuilt. And so my first thought was, well, I'll just do the die. And I, I got the die out and I started working with um, laying the fabric on it. But I just couldn't trust myself because I was so concerned. I mean, I was really close on whether I was going to have enough fabric or not to get everything I needed out of it. And in order to, you can either rough cut to put it on the AccuQuilt or you can do like a fan fold kind of thing. Um, but when you do a fan fold, you're, you're losing just a little bit of the fabric on the, the blade or, you know, where the fold is. Um, and although it's not much, I just, uh, you know, I was so nervous about not having enough of this fabric because I didn't really have any backup fabric. I'm sure I've got something somewhere in my stash that would have worked. But, you know, at the time I was like, I just need to make sure I get enough out of this. So I ended up just cutting the, the strips myself. You know, I haven't forgotten how to do that yet. So <laughs> I cut the strips myself um, and made the binding. And then I decided I would... Um, clip it, use the clover clips to put it on all the way around the quilt just to make sure I had enough because I never trust my math. So I used the clips, um, put it on very carefully all the way around, realized I had plenty. So I decided at that point, okay, I'll just start sewing. Now here's the thing. I have pinned bindings on in the past and it's not unusual for me to put pins in for like the first four or five inches just mostly for me to mark where I'm going to start sewing and then where I'm going to stop sewing um, in order to leave the gap I need to to do the final fix on the, the final angle uh, when you sew the bindings together at the end. Um, hopefully y'all know how to put a binding up because <laughs> I'm not even trying to describe this well. Uh, if you don't know how to put a binding on, there's plenty of YouTube videos out there for you to watch to understand what I'm currently trying to describe. Uh, but in any case, you know, you, you have to leave a gap between where you start sewing and end sewing. And then I have the Fonz and Porter binding tool, which I love. I've had it for years and I still pull it out and use it every single dang time. And my bind bindings fit perfectly every time. So here's your quick uh, notion review, Fonz and Porter binding tool. Fantastic. Love that thing. Um, so anyway, the, the thing is, I don't usually pin the rest of my binding because back in, when I first started, I would very carefully pin that binding all the way around. And then I end up looking like I've been shredded by a bunch of um, angry roosters by the time I'm done sewing the binding because I've got scratches from all the pins. So I've, I've stopped binding. I haven't pinned a binding for years and years and years other than I said like those first two but today I was so nervous I thought okay I'll I'll use the clips I'll put the clips on all over the place well hence the name of this episode clips were way the wrong choice because the stupid things kept getting stuck on the edge of the sewing table on the edge of the cutting table while I was doing it in the first place and they were popping off and flying across the room and and making you know catching as I'm trying to sew the binding um they're just a pain in the butt never doing that again <laughs> however um 
And I also realized that I had pinned it on uh, in the reverse direction of what I normally sew it. So I had very carefully um, mitered all of my corners and folded them the way I would normally sew them folded. But then when I actually started sewing it, they were all backwards. So I had to, you know, remove the clips and refold everything and reorganize it around the corners anyway. Um, so the clips were really pretty useless, but they at least gave me the confidence that I had plenty of binding. Um, so I have now uh, finished it. I sewed it onto the back because I'm doing this by machine fully. So when I do it by machine, I start sewing it on the back and then I flip it over to the front. And sometimes I'll do a decorative stitch around the edge. Um, sometimes I'll do just like a blanket stitch or something. I think this one I may just do a straight stitch. I'll have to see how much room I've actually got to work with once I fold it over. And I always press it when I fold it over to the, the side to make sure I'm getting it, you know, really neatly folded and fully folded onto the other side. Um, so I haven't gotten to that decision yet. In fact, I, I stopped as soon as I got to the point where I could stop sewing so that I could do the final um, sewing of the binding together, you know, the measuring, the trimming, and the putting it together so it all fits. Um, and I just really hit a wall at that point. So it's still sitting under my sewing machine um, at that last little bit. So I will probably finish that uh, maybe tomorrow. I don't think I've got a meeting after work tomorrow, so I might be able to do that tomorrow. Um, it does feel good to have gotten it started. I am, I am confessing, skipping putting a label on this darn thing. I just, <laughs> I want it done. Um, I think I know who is going to receive it, but I've now changed my mind three times about who the recipient is going to be. Uh, I keep going back and forth between two of my great nieces, but I think it's going to go to one of them because her birthday is in a couple of weeks and I have plenty of time to get something made for the other one. Um, so I think that's probably how I'll end up gifting that. Uh, so that's that progress. And the dilly flower, I'm going to work on that tonight while I'm watching TV. Um, I think I've already said in my last episode that I sewed one seam on incorrectly. And so I'm going to have to go in and pick out some very, very, very tiny, difficult to see hand stitches before I can re-sew that on. Um, but I really want to get start getting in the habit of doing that during my evening TV watching. So that's on the docket for tonight. So that's where I am at in all of my goals. Uh, I'm not setting any new ones for this week because basically it's, you know, finishing the goals from last week. I want to finish getting that binding on. I want to finish getting the borders on the three yard quilt. And I want to finish getting at least the blocks done of the storm at sea. And I want to do some hand stitching. So I'm not starting anything new this time. Um, new news. Well, not really new news, but uh, a continued story. If you recall, I was talking about the Go Me that I had gotten free that uh, didn't work. I was quite surprised to actually get the new one this week. Um, it came much more quickly than I thought it would. And in fact, the last one I had gotten was just the Go Me. It was only the, the um, die cut, the cutter itself. This one was actually a bundle package that they shipped to me. So it was the Go Me plus 
two dies and two cutting mats. So the two dies I got are, um, one is a half square triangle die and the other one's a quarter square triangle die. They might be the same that I've already got in one of my, because um, I have some of the Go Cubes, which are collections of dies. So it, they, it might be a repeat of something I've already gotten, but I have learned that's actually not a bad thing because you can wear out dies. I haven't worn out any of mine yet, but I ended up with a duplicate of one other die just because I wasn't paying attention to what I was ordering. And um, when I posted about it in my blog, a few people said, you know, hang on to them because the, especially the dies that you use a lot, you can actually wear them out. So um, I'm going to go ahead and hang on to these, at least for now. And uh, I do love getting the cutting mats because cutting mats you do wear out pretty quickly. I've already had to replace two or three of mine. Um, so that was good. And I did test it out and it does work. Now the Go Me is a little bit tricky. It's, um, for those of you who are not in on the AccuQuilt world, the kind of uh, main AccuQuilt that everybody gets is called AccuQuilt Go. Um, the next one up is the Go Big and that one, um, I think that's the one that's actually electric. I don't think there's a bigger one that's not electric. That's what I had to stop and think about, uh, which would be nice. And I can see as I get older, if the arthritis I'm already developing just keeps getting worse and worse, eventually I will go up to the electric one because you don't have to do the cranking. But for now, you know, the crank one is fine for me. I don't need the electric. Um, and then there's the Go Studio, which is huge, and it's really meant for like quilt shops and, and such, or professional quilters who are just cutting stuff all the freaking time. Um, going the other direction, smaller than the Go is the Go Me, and then I think there's also a Go Baby. I can't imagine how small the Go Baby would be if it's smaller than the Go Me. I'd, I'd have to look at that, but the Go Me, um, it's, it's adorable. It's really cute. And it would be a good size to bring to like a quilt retreat or whatever. Um, it would easily just, you know, I could throw it in a tote bag easily enough. And um, it fits, it easily fits a six by six inch die. That's about the size of the, the work table that it runs through. Because it is smaller, it doesn't have much weight to itself. So when I use my AccuQuilt Go, it's a heavier thing. So when I roll something through it and I'm uh, running the hand crank, it sits still where it's supposed to and it just rolls everything through and it works like a dream. The Go B, I actually have to hold the top of it down with my left hand while I'm cranking with my right because other time, uh, otherwise every time I crank the whole thing wiggles because it's just that small. Um, but it, it did work fine. So it's, it's going to be perfect for having it on the side of my um, cutting table and just whipping out some scraps once I'm done, uh, you know, like a bunch of two and a half inch squares or tumbler dies. The ones that I've got, the dies I've got kind of set aside in my head for constantly doing, taking care of scraps are a two and a half inch square that does four two and a half inch squares at once. Um, I have a four inch tumbler die I have a, um, of course, my hexagon die that does four one-inch hexagons. Um, and then I also uh, bit at a sale and I got a drunkard's path 
die because I thought, well, it's a four inch drunkard's path. Wouldn't it be fun to just cut a whole bunch of um, scrappy drunkard's path pieces and then put together a you know wall hanging or a quilt or something from them? So those are the dies I want to keep right with my go me on my cutting table and just be, you know, cutting up scraps as I get them done. Um, so that was good to get that. Glad to have the end of that story done. Um, so that's really kind of it in my quilting life. I'm still, uh, you'll, if you haven't read my blog post, I did do one on um, suddenly getting the, <laughs> I don't want to call it a whim because it is something I've been thinking about doing for years, uh, but I, I just finally got the bee in my bonnet to start doing it, is switching my fabrics from ruler folded stacks to comic book folded um, so they look, you know, pretty like bolts of fabric in a quilt shop. Um, so I've been working on that. You'll, you'll see the whole story on my blog post. The, uh, continuing story is I did end up deciding to buy a vinyl shelf cover and then some, um, vinyl shelf dividers for the shelves where I currently keep my fabric so that I can just put them up there. Um, if you read the blog post, you'll see I've been still been trying to figure out exactly how I was going to deal with this. It is true that the fabric, once it's putting put on um, comic book boards, will be taking up more space, um, shelf space, than what my stacks of ruler fold fabric have done. So what this may end up doing. I'm just going to get it all wrapped to start with and then make my decisions. I may end up just getting rid of some fabric. The The nice thing about um, doing this is that I'm having to pull every single piece of fabric off of my shelf, touch it, feel it, rewrap it. And in that, you know, a lot of it is, oh, I'd forgotten. I'd, oh, this is so pretty. And oh, I really want to use this in something. And of course, every piece of fabric you're imagining all the projects are going to do with it. There have been a small number that as I'm working with them, I'm like, God, this has been on my shelf for freaking ever. Some of it I can even date back to my mom's stash. They were stuff that I had gotten from her when she passed away. She passed away in 2009. So it's been on my shelf that long. I don't know how long it was on her shelf before that. Um, some of it feels really old, like it might have been around since the 80s. She started um, sewing in 70. She started quilting in 76. She was a garment sewer before that, but she was uh, started quilting in 76. So it is quite possible that some of this fabric dates from <laughs> the early 80s. I don't know. Um, I mostly only kept newer fabric from her stash, but you know, there were some that was good stash builder, older fabric. I just, you know, I don't know. I might start getting uh, getting rid of some of that. We'll see. We'll see. Right now, for now, I'm just, whenever I want to play with fabric but don't have the, the bandwidth to actually do anything, I stand and fold fabric on comic book boards. It's a very relaxing kind of thing to do. So I, I'm just kind of poking away at that. Um, I will say in off-quilting topic kinds of stuff, spring is definitely the in the air here in Western New York. We had an absolutely gorgeous day over the weekend. Um, Today was a little bit cooler and kind of on and off in terms of sun. Right now it's sunny and gorgeous outside. Um, 
with the time change, it's, you know, suddenly it feels like the days are a lot longer. Feels great. So I am definitely in a better mood than I've been <laughs> in a long time. You know, I, I know that I have seasonal affective disorder. I've, I've known that for years. I had years that I would use a light box. I still have the light box. But the last couple of years, I haven't been using it because when I've been in it, it hasn't felt that bad. It's not until I'm coming out on the other end of it that I realize quite how bad it actually was. So I need to just get in the habit of using that light box starting in November until March, whether or not I'm feeling like I need it. It's, you know, it's the classic um, people who are on medication for mood or mental health type um, disorders often say, oh, I'm feeling really good. I don't need the medicine anymore. Stop taking the medicine. And then, of course, you realize why you're taking the medicine in the first place. So I'm, I'm, I'm like that with my light box. And so I really need to start doing that. But boy, it does feel good uh, to be in a good mood again. <laughs> it really does. Uh, the other thing I finally did today, and this I'm just saying because this is a silly thing. My husband has told me I'm weird. So I am, I finally did my uh, second attempt at the DNA test for Ancestry is the one I'm using. Um, I had done it, oh gosh, probably 18 months ago and sent it in and they sent it back and said there wasn't enough spit. And so they sent me a free test to do it again. Here's the thing. I'm not a spitter. I don't spit. I don't want to be, I always said I wasn't going to go out with a guy who spit. And sure enough, even if I thought a guy was cute, the minute I saw him start spitting, I was like, that was, that was a biggest turnoff ever to me. Thank God my husband has never spit. Um, certainly not while I've seen him, but I, he's just not a spitter. I've never known him to do it. Um, and so for me to try to spit into a vial I actually get myself gagging and almost throw up every time. It is brutal. My eyes are watering. It's just, oh, Lordy. So I, I did it today. I went downstairs. My eyes were still all watery. <laughs> I put the little box with, you know, that you put it in the mail or put it on the kitchen table. My husband was there finishing his lunch. And I said, I will give blood every day of the week and be fine. I will never spit into a tube again. It's just absolutely brutal. Oh my word. I'm, I'm starting to feel nauseous again just thinking about it. I literally, I had to sit and watch a TV show, let my whole system kind of settle down. Finally, about half an hour later, felt like, okay, now I can eat lunch. Now I've, you know, everything's, <laughs> my body's sort of recovering. It's just ridiculous. So hopefully they have enough now to work with. Um, the, the reason I'm interested in doing the DNA test thing is because um, both sides of my family have been in the United States at least since the late 1700s. Um, and I, I know just from the ancestry I've done, or the, the genealogy I've done, that I am primarily something from the UK, <laughs> some sort of mix of UK and French Canadian, which means probably, you know, further back French. Um, but because of the, the timing and the, the long-term stay we've had and everything, 
there may be other things in there. I'm just, I'm curious because I don't really know what that is. Um, I don't have as distinct a national background in my um, family than what my, for example, my husband's mother is pure Danish. Her parents, you know, came over here from Denmark, got married. When they were here, she is pure Danish. Um, his father was half Irish, half German. Again, everybody, you know, right off the boat, got married. Um, so his side of the family has very distinct uh, national slash, uh, well, it's not, we're all kind of the same ethnicity, but um, national uh, roots that I don't know that I have. So it'll be interesting to see what comes back. It's, it's going to be pretty much all Northern European UK. I know that. Uh, we'll see if there's anything else that's mixed in there. I'm, I'm just curious. Um, so that's, that's that. I'm, you know, recovering. Um, I will say I, I've been debating whether I need to start my Fight the Funk Friday posts on my blog again. You may remember I used to do those every week. Um, they started out as a way of dealing with seasonal affective disorder. Um, now it has more to do with the fact that I am just really not in a physically healthy place. Um, from the pandemic, from the fact that I've had the knee surgery on top of the foot surgery, and I'm just really a hurting puppy <laughs> right now. Um, so I've got to get it in hand. And in fact, this afternoon, I just went on uh, my gym's website. I'm part, I have a membership, a longstanding membership at the YMCA near me, and uh, starting the process of getting myself set up with a personal trainer so that I can mostly to hold me accountable, mostly to make sure I'm showing up at the gym and getting some workouts. Plus, because of my knee injury and the still having to deal with the foot, the arthritis in the foot, um, I really want somebody who will help me not injure myself again, because I tend to be all or nothing. And I know I'm going to go into the gym and I'm going to kill myself because it feels so good to finally be working out. And then I'll end up having surgery on some other joint. So <laughs> I need, I, I'm hoping that I can get matched with a good trainer. I've had trainers in my past. I've had some I've loved. I've had some that I was kind of meh about. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I have a good one this time. Um, so that's kind of the, where I'm at personally. Um, I have no comments to share with you this week. Nobody felt the need <laughs> to comment on my last episode Apparently it was so bad it left people speechless. I sort of get a picture of people listening to it looking like a deer in headlights, you know, the WTF. Um, so <laughs> I'm just, no comments this week. Hopefully you'll want to talk to me um, so that I have some conversation with you for, for next week. Um, I don't know that I'll be able to post again speaking of next weekend. I'm probably going to skip next weekend, which is why I wanted to get one done today, even though I'd just done one last Monday. Um, next week, I've got work stuff pretty much all day Saturday, pretty much all day Sunday. And so even though I'm taking Monday off, I'll probably be fried. So we'll see if I feel like uh, posting then. So it might be a couple of weeks again. Since I just did two in one week, I'm feeling like, you know, anything else I might post between now and two weeks from now would be gravy anyway. So um, 
hopefully we'll just see it in two weeks. So I guess that's it for this episode. You know where to get me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Sometimes you can find me on Twitter, even more rarely as Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can like our Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook, or you can um, check out the show notes for this episode, which there won't really be that many, but uh, you can always leave a comment on this episode at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com slash podcast. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 